Hey everyone, welcome to the latest episode of Lethal Podcast. Today we were joined by a guy with an incredible message named Chad Brown. Uh, this conversation is broken down into two main parts. The first being about Chad's nonprofit, Soul River, which is a nonprofit that connects veterans and at risk youth to get them into the outdoors. It was a great, great chat there. Uh, and the second part being a deeper discussion about Chad's experiences in the outdoors as a black man. Um, I will warn you, there is a bit of graphic language that is used while describing the experiences that Chad has faced. Uh, so if that's something that may upset you, just keep that in mind. Uh, but overall, we had a great discussion uh, with Chad about a topic that all of us here at Lethal Podcast uh, agreed needs to get be, needs to be getting some more exposure, especially right now. Uh, I would encourage you to go into that conversation with an open heart and open mind. Uh, consider where people who don't share the same background as you may be coming from and just try and see if you can understand their perspective. Uh, as always, this podcast is fueled by Hunter's Blend Coffee. Go to huntersblendcoffee.com and get yourself a delicious cup of joe. Uh, I, uh, as I've mentioned before, uh, COVID has made my business much busier, so I have certainly been putting in late nights and early mornings, and uh, Hunter's Blend has uh, kept me going a lot of those times, uh, and, and it's been a, a delicious pick-me-up. Uh, when you go to check out, be sure to use code ABF, all caps, and 10% of your purchase will go uh, to the Ashby Bowhunting Foundation. We love to donate money to them uh, and support their cause. Uh, if you like the content of the podcast, please feel free to drop us a quick review on iTunes. We really do appreciate that, and it helps us get some more exposure. Uh, we also have some merch on the website. It's really cool when you guys buy stuff from there because it helps keep this thing going. Uh, hosting a podcast is unexpectedly expensive at times. So, uh, without any further delay, here is this week's guest, Chad Brown. Enjoy. Do this thing. Uh, so Chad, what's your, your, uh, is fishing your, your big thing? Is that kind of, is that your, your passion? Yeah, well, it's, it's, it's one of my passions, you know, but fishing, fly fishing, the, to be technical <laughs> and everything. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, fly fishing is my, uh, passion. It's a deep passion of mine, uh, in this stage of my life. Uh, that means, um, uh, very much, and, uh, it's a way of life for me. It's not just a sport. It, it, it has become a way of life for me. Uh, and, uh, and I use it as a tool, uh, also as an educational tool of giving back, et cetera, you know, but fly fishing is definitely uh, one of my strongest passions that I have. So uh, I am, uh, I'm, I'm a great fishing buddy because I don't really like the taste of fish. Yeah. Uh, well, let me rephrase this. I don't like the texture of it. It's a texture thing to me. So I'm great to take fishing because whatever I catch, you can have. Yeah. Uh, um, but, uh, but in that regard, I'm pretty ignorant when it comes to fishing or fly fishing at all what's so can you fly fish like anywhere or is that kind of reserved for like certain places and areas you know there are places that are reserved for uh fly angler, anglers um but uh, the first part of your question is that you can fly fish anywhere anywhere you can saltwater fly fish fresh water you can anywhere. you can fly fish for pretty much anything it's, i've got a buddy i do a lot of musky fishing yeah and I've got a buddy that like two years ago got set up and started doing fly fishing for muskie, which is like, you think muskie fishing is expensive by itself. Then you throw that into the mix. And <laughs> yeah, yeah, but sure, sure. 
That's one fish I have not uh, been able to go after. That's on my list of things that's to go after doing some musky fishing on the fly. Yeah. You know, and everything like that. But yeah, some of those guys I know, they go out there and it's interesting because every guy I see with a picture holding a muskie, they keep on coming back bloodied up. You know, and I'm like, <laughs> I'm like you know, I didn't, I didn't know. I don't get that part. I guess they, well, they do have teeth, but every picture I see, man, they tend to be bloodied up. And I was like, okay, you know. It's, yeah. It's honestly, it's tough because even if you avoid the teeth, the gills are very rough. Mm, and mm. so when when you try and get a hold of them, you're running your finger up the jawline and there's a pocket that you can kind of get your finger around that that jawbone. Mm. And so it gives you a good good grasp. But right behind your knuckles then is the gill plates. And so if they shift around or try and move on you more than likely your hand is going to be twisting and you're shoving your fingers into that mess and your knuckles are going to be coming out bloody wow wow that sounds pretty serious hmm. but they're uh it, it, it's a it's a fun fish it is I, I think i'm just a glutton for punishment yeah <laughs> but uh when well I mean, honestly, just the visual aspect of it is just, it sets me off, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Just because yeah. you can see this, you know, potentially four, you know, plus foot fish coming in if the water clarity is decent, you know, and in just predator mode, just tracking your bait. And, you know, then the heart just starts going and. Yeah, man, it sounds like a a fun fish to to go after. What's the like, I I guess, what's the thing about fly fishing that's that's so different that really like trips your trigger for you? You know, I I think, you know, um, for me, you know, fly fishing is is I I, I gravitated because of the uh, the art of the sport, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, and and I like the the idea of how big the science plays a big role in the sport. Uh, you know, of identifying insects as the whole etymology piece and understanding the the nature and the life cycle of different insects that comes in different times of the day. That intrigues me. Uh, it brings my awareness up to a whole nother level of, uh, you know, my situation awareness, basically, you know, mm-hmm. right. to identify with everything, you know, and, and, and also when you're you know, uh, here in the Northwest in Oregon, you know, it's, it's, you know, other than trout fishing, but we we're big here on steelhead, you know? And, and so, uh, going after steelhead is, is a whole different type of, uh, pursuit of something that becomes something greater than you, you know, and not just the fish itself. It's, 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 it's allowing you to step into mother nature's arena, allowing you to identify and understand the air where you at and plus you have to pay attention to the atmosphere and then to the you know into into the water movement and the hydraulics of the water everything plays a role in that whole process just to go after steelhead and it doesn't even mean that you're actually going to hook in on a steelhead <laughs> you right, know the, right. you know and then the whole art piece you know when you're identifying with the insects you identify you can take that to the table and you know develop your hand and eye coordination skills on the vice and being able to to, you know, tie a fly 
you know, to imitate, into, uh, imitate uh, nature and, and get out in the water with, you know. And so yeah. it's that whole art piece balanced with science, balanced with the pursuit of adventure, uh, you know, and then it just and it brings you into this whole fold of, uh, you know, it's why I'm gravitated to fly fishing. It's a it's a, you know, many books is written about the sport. You guys know about that, already, you know, already. And, oh, yeah. And, and poetry and philosophy, you know, and and you can you can find almost anything and everything on the river. You know, it just, yeah. you know, be well, quiet a little bit and listen, you know. But yeah. And that for, I guess. Matt and I both play with like traditional archery as well as compound. Oh yeah. And that's I've I've only lightly dabbled with fly fishing, but the the technicality and the the self-awareness that's needed to really be proficient. Mm-hmm in my mind translates directly across to why I really enjoy shooting traditional archery. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's, it's, uh, I guess for lack of a better word, it's, it's just me. It's romantic. There is a romanticism about it. Definitely. But there's, there's a lot less reliance on the, gizmos and gadgets and a lot more on your own internal knowledge and proficiency yeah with like what you were describing with you know making sure that you're understanding the environment and the timing and you know what is appropriate for this exact moment exactly you know that all plays into the build-up yeah you know yeah well, man, I think uh, I think Chad sold me on a new hobby. I'm gonna go out tomorrow and buy a whole fly fishing setup. You're getting hooked sound- real quick, man. We oh, oh yeah, <laughs> man. I've I've purposely avoided hobbies like that because I know I'm gonna I'm just gonna be like, well, now I need I need a boat and I need like I need to go oh, buy you, a new you truck. Just need to pull some waiters and yeah, that's true. Yeah, I, I you know what? I guess I guess that makes sense. I never really see people fly fishing from a boat. I don't even know if that's you can or not. But yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's always it's always guys and the waiters. And uh, I know Missouri, Missouri down down where I'm at has has some rivers where people like to fly fish out of. It's a it's a huge thing. Like every year for opening day, there's. Yeah. Like there's guys that are literally shoulder to shoulder. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, for hundreds of yards uh, for the opener, and it's a uh, it's quite the spectacle. So that that sounds like a ton of fun. I might have to awesome. give that a shot. Awesome. Uh, but uh, uh, so tonight we are hanging out with uh, Chad Brown. Uh, Chad is the founder of a company uh, uh, called Soul River Inc. Um, uh, so is, is the runs wild part of the name or is that just kind of like a nickname for it? No, it's, it's a tagline. It's actually, okay, uh, gotcha. it's actually, it's a nonprofit organization. Uh, cool. You know, cool. But yeah, it's the tagline. Soul River Inc. runs wild. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. That's cool. So, uh, Chad, tell us, tell us a little bit about yourself. What was your, what was your upbringing like? Uh, you know, how did, how'd you get involved in the outdoors? What, what kind of hobbies do you enjoy now based off of that? Sure. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, you know, I'm, uh, I'm from Texas. I'm originally from Texas and, uh, and I, and I think, you know, my, you know, uh, my upbringing is a little different from a lot of folks, especially, uh, 
uh, folks from of, of color, uh, you know, and the reason I said it because I, um, I did live in the urban world, but I come from a, a family of, of hunters uh, and farmers. And my upbringing uh, was, you know, walking with my grandpa and going out to hunt deer. Uh, we, my grandfather had a farm, raised pigs, cattle, uh, Brahma cattle, actually, uh, and would uh, take that off to the market mm-hmm. and, um, you know, and, and, you know, and sell it on the market, et cetera. And, um, you know, and my grandma, she, she was in the farming and, um, you know, and so it was that whole upbringing and out, being out the woods. I, I had dreams actually when I would, I would, um, go out and pretend like I'm going to run away from home and act like I'm Daniel Boone, <laughs> you know, <laughs> right. you know, and you know, my mom, she would say, go on, go on, boy, go on, boy. And I'm only gone for 30 minutes, of course, you know, so, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know, but, uh, uh, but yeah, you know, it, it was, it was a really interesting, you know, um, uh, blessing that what my parents gave me and my grandparents, uh, gave me. And, um, you know, I was also that kid and my father was actually a little story. My father was out hunting and, um, and came across, um, uh, a deer, the mother was dead and, uh, and oh, there was a baby yeah. fawn that was right, by, right there by the deer curled up. And my father yep. picked up that fawn and brought it home and that became my pet. And, yep. Uh, yep. and so I would just walk around, you know, I would, I was only kid. I would walk around in the urban world and around the block with a, with a deer with a dog leash on it. That's <laughs> right. <laughs> That's awesome. You know, and, and so that was, yeah, it was a really interesting upbringing, you know, with the whole outdoors. I, Fishing was never part of my life. It was just hunting and farming, uh, you know, and, um, you know, my father, you know, he was a counselor. He worked with at-risk kids and same thing. My mom, she did the same thing. And oh, my, God bless him. Yeah, thank you. And she, uh, my mom, she was an artist. And that's where I guess you could say she, you know, uh, exposed me and my younger brothers, just the two of us, uh, into like theater, art, opera, mm-hmm. et cetera. She always made sure you want to give us a well-rounding, et cetera, you know, uh, uh, background and yeah. um, you know and so yeah you know it was an interesting deal until you know I would say parents end up getting divorced and a lot of things started to happen and so we're back in the urban world and I that's when a lot of things happened where I started going into getting into gangs um, you know uh, just just trouble I was just getting into a lot of trouble and sure. Uh, and my mom connected me to um, the Big Brothers Big Sisters program, and there's my mentor. His name was, was Captain Maxwell, who was the captain of the police department down in Austin, Texas. And gotcha. he took me on his wing, and he, um, you know, became basically my mentor, and 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 just worked with me at a younger age to keep me from going down that that bad road in life, you know. And um, and so moving forward in life, you know, with, with those having those folks supporting me and, and helping me uh end up going off to college for a little bit and didn't really make it um through all of my college i was going for um sure yeah. the commercial artists and if i end up dropping out and going into the uh military and that's what hmm. i'm serving okay. you know and so yeah you know it was it's it's a it's a kind of you know crazy walk here you know and yeah uh, yeah when was that when did you join the military i joined in 91 yeah, I joined in 1991, oh, wow. you know, it was, it was right when uh, uh, Desert Storm was popping off and yep, yep. The, the end of Desert Storm and going into Desert Shield. And, and yeah, that's uh, 
it was a crazy time. You know, it was a really crazy. Oh time, man. You know? Yeah. Well, that was the first, I mean, that was the first real conflict or war that we had like that had, you know, gotten a bunch of publicity since, I mean, early seventies, I, yeah. I would guess. Like, I mean, yeah, it was a, it was a very interesting time. So what, uh, uh, what, what service were you in? What would you, what'd you do? I was in the Navy and okay. I was, uh, I was a combat stevedore, a little small group right out of uh, Waynesburg, Virginia. And uh, we were a joint task force uh, expeditionary unit that supported uh, all branches, basically, including uh, SF uh, teams. Uh, nice. You know, and mm-hmm. so we, we were, you know, yeah, logistics and on and offload, et cetera, in country. And uh, but yeah, it was quite of an interesting walk that I, uh, chapter to say in my life that I took, um, yeah, I bet, but yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, uh, yeah, the, I think, uh, I don't think people realize how, how involved the Navy is, uh, uh, with everybody else. Uh, especially when, when we're in overseas conflicts, they are, uh, they are an integral to getting the rest of these, uh, branches and teams and units to where they need to go in a timely and safe manner. And, uh, it's, yeah. uh, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and that's, that's, that's something I, I, I just don't, I don't, I know, uh, at least here, here in the Midwest, like there's not a ton of like, I mean, th- there are Navy people, but, uh, you know, it definitely doesn't get the, uh, uh, the shine that it does in, you know, on the coast and, and, and down the Gulf coast, uh, you know, uh, just, you know, but basically everywhere, but all these landlocked States and, uh, mm-hmm. uh very, mm-hmm. very important stuff, very important stuff. So you did, I mean, you were, uh, so you caught the, the tail end of, of desert storm. Uh, how, how long were you in? Uh, I was in four years and, okay. uh, you know, so it was kind of crazy because the longest I've stayed in the States in my time of service. So it's like three months, I would say, Three months total, uh, <laughs> and the rest of the time I was you know, traveling and in fourteen different countries, and um, wow. most most of them was all third world third world countries, yeah. um, you know. And um, but yeah, it was yeah, it was like I said, it was a really interesting time, you know. Um, yeah, you know, but yeah, yeah. How did how when you were visiting those third world countries? How that. Did that like put things into perspective for you for, uh, for you know growing up and, and living in America and, and you know being getting to be a citizen here or you know was that uh, uh, did you get to interact with the the citizens of those countries at all or what? what yeah, I, I I I was heavily you know in the mix of a lot a lot of stuff and I interacted with a lot of uh, uh, many different locals uh, in different countries. Uh, you know, I, I always say that the military from, you know, everybody's walk is different, you know, and, and, oh, yes. and how yeah. you walk and you experience things in life, you know, and I experienced some really bad things and, and, and had some good moments, but I'm, I won't, you know, I won't like turn back or I feel, or have regret of what I've done, you know, but, yeah. but, but I will say that, um, you know, the, the military definitely gave me a foundation uh, a, a stronger foundation as a young young man, um, yeah. and for me to be able to move forward in life, it gave me a lot of discipline, um, and 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 helped me, you know, through my thinking process and even just leadership. Period. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, you know, and so I there's a, there's a lot of things I learned. I some randomly I would find myself telling people that, you know, that's where I grew up. You know, my parents, and my father, they did 
they did their job and they did their best that they could do to help me and prepare me uh, to move forward in life. But the right. military definitely gave me um, a, a heavy foundation of growth for me to be able to function uh, and take on the challenges that life can throw at me. I think, you know, the chances I've been through in my life, uh, if it wasn't for the military, I don't know where I would be. But I know that I've learned a lot of that fight and a lot of that discipline uh, when I was in the military. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I went to high school with a bunch of guys that were just total goofballs. I mean, just off the wall. I mean, yeah, I mean, just, I mean, maybe this was a bit presumptuous of me, but people, I was just like, these guys will never amount to anything. Like they're, they're going to be the, the guys, you know, going to Olive Garden thinking it's real fancy food in our hometown, you know, 20 years from now. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, just a couple years in, in the military and they're completely different people. So it's, uh, it just depends. I think, you know, like what you said on, on the type of person that you are and, and what you make of it, the military can be, uh, uh, exactly what a what a lot of people need to to kind of you know instill that that discipline that that they need to you know to be able to uh, you know succeed in in the rest of life. So that's absolutely. good. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So what did you, what did you do after the military? Did you say you went back to school? Yeah, I went back to school. Uh, end up uh, uh, finishing off my uh, um, my degree, my BFA. I got a BFA in uh, communication design, and then that was in Atlanta, Georgia, and then I went off to Pratt um, up in New York and mm, uh, okay. you know, okay. got my master's in communications on photography and art direction. And, um, you know, and so, yeah, that's when I went up completing that and stayed in the industry in the ad world and then a lot of photography. Um, uh, yeah. I mean, I, yeah, man, you're an amazing photographer. Holy cow. Oh, like, thanks. <laughs> man, you got some, some good, there's some cool stuff, stuff on there. Oh, appreciate yeah. it. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah. So you were you were able to use those photography skills for some like for some ad sets and stuff like that? Oh yes, yeah, 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 absolutely, yeah, yeah. I went on and end up uh, doing a lot of work. I don't know if you guys. I know there's uh, uh, outdoor hunting, but I don't know if you guys know. But uh, the whole Fat Farm, uh, Russell Simmons, Run DMC. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I, I was like one of the creators for. Uh, Mr. Russell Simmons, fat when I was in New York, you know. And, nice, that's cool. Yeah, nice. <laughs> I know. You know, it's a different chapter of my life. <laughs> yeah, hey man, cross cultures. I'm into it. Yeah, yeah, uh, you know, and uh, and I, uh, yeah, and I ended up going overseas. I did a lot of runway photography, fashion. Uh, that was my background was more fashion photography, and then I ended up moving more into portrait style uh, shoots. And now, you know, I tend to. Um, do a lot of work, uh, creative work outside of my organization of going and giving a platform for unheard voices um, in indigenous communities or environmental uh, situations and stuff like that. Oh, wow. so okay. just, yeah, yeah. And it's really cool that where I do it because it's like I'm, not, I'm in a place where I, I'm, I can make a choice if I want to take that project on or not. And it's usually when I take that project on, it, it has to do with environmental slash something else that that where I can be able to use my lens to help elevate those voices or those issues on a larger scale. And I end up rolling them into exhibitions and everything like that, you know, and show people yeah. to come in and share the knowledge, share about the calls, share about what's going on, you know, and allow them to be, you know, take that stand if they want to take that stand. But it's about sharing that information 
and, yeah. and reaching, you know, connecting people to the right place and everything like that, you know? So, but yeah, yeah. 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 You get yeah, to was, tell their, tell their story visually. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So yeah. yeah. Photography is, is another passion. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. It, it sounds like it. That's, that's some cool stuff that you get to be involved with. So in speaking of your organization that you mentioned, uh, Soul River, uh, Soul River Inc. Uh, what, what's it, what, what is, what is it? What's it about? What's kind of, how did that come to fruition? Yeah. So, you know, uh, how does Soul River Inc. come to fruition? So kind of try to keep it short. Uh, <laughs> yeah, do whatever you want. You know, it's fine. <laughs> so, you know, when I, when I, um, when I came to Oregon, you know, um, this is where I'm located right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I started having a lot of issues mentally and, and, and different weird patterns happening with me and didn't really know, but over a course of time, um, I ended up losing my job. I couldn't hold down a job. And, um, and eventually, you know, um, a friend took me to the VA and I, started going through their programs and end up getting diagnosed with PTSD and I was fighting PTSD. And yeah. so PTSD did a really big toll on me. It, it really stripped me down. Um, yeah. Everything that I worked for in my life, I ended up homeless right on the streets in Portland, Oregon for 12 months. Uh, I lost everything. You know, I, you know, people always say in random conversation, you know, about, you know, uh, you know, it's, you're, you're not that far off of losing things and people can, you know, that kind of thing, you can lose stuff. And when you're working, yep. et cetera, you know, and it happened, you know, and, and, you know, and so I, um, I, I slipped into a really dark place and, uh, slept on the streets and given blood for $20 a pint so I can put food in my stomach and, and do whatever, whatever I can to, to survive. And I, that's what I was doing. And up to a point where, um, you know, heading back to the VA back and forth and that was dosing a whole lot of medications and stuff, you know, that they gave me and yeah. popping pills left and right. And, um, and I was kind of like just floating and I was floating all over the place, you know, and, and, um, you know, one day, um, I was popping too much pills, I guess. And I was, you know, I was trying to reach out to my mom and she couldn't get out to me because I'm the only one person, only person here in the Northwest. And, and I got so drugged up that I end up, you know, basically taking my weapon and put it into my head. And I, I was on the river, actually, and uh, wanted to do myself in. But I was so drugged up that I completely uh, uh, blacked out. And I was found. And mm. I found that found like I was a vet and got my card. Uh, they took me up to the hospital. I stayed up in the VA for seven days, uh, uh, you know, to, to convince the doctor I was going to hurt myself. And uh, it was a really strange moment because as I was in the VA on seven days and during those seven days, it was like, you know, it's it's everything that I've done, not just for my country and serve, but, you know, also the degrees that I got and all this kind of stuff that I was doing. It, 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 it came down to even down to me not even being identified with my name anymore. And I'm being called by my last word social, you know, yeah. and, you know, yeah. and so it was just a weird, you know, mind trip that I was in. And but. To move out of that, uh, there was this lady that I knew. Uh, she took me to the river, and you know, and I, and she said I used to come here and and fish, you know, and I would, you know, this helped me go through my divorce and everything like that, and you know, and I said, well, what do you have to do? Because here I am, I'm so strung out, and I'm high on drugs on the medications they give me, you know, yeah. and so I just had a card. I was already in debt, you know, my credit card, and so. 
right behind us was a fishing store and we went over there and, and I got me a, a, a rod and reel and, and some flies and I had no idea what I was picking up, you know, <laughs> right. you know, and, a lot like me, yeah. <laughs> you know, all I saw was all these flies with like pretty colors, you know, <laughs> you know, yeah, and, yeah, you yeah. know yeah. And stuff like that. And so uh, she actually, you know, so I went back to that river and she actually taught me how to tie, tie my first knot, fisherman's knot. And she tied it right there and showed me right there, you know, and I'm standing right there on the river and I hook in and, and cast out and it was no pretty cast at all. It was like a flop, you know, and, uh, <laughs> you know, and then I hooked in on this, uh, on this Jack salmon and I was hooting and hollering all over the damn park, you know, I was hooting and hollering all over the place, man. And, you know, and that was when I, I guess, you know, could say it was, it was a moment that, that I, that I realized, and I couldn't really put it all into words, but it was feelings, but it was a moment that, uh, that this excitement I, was so much to me that I felt that my excitement alone hooking on that fish was pushing uh, that medication out of my pores, you know, mm, because yeah. I, was, I, was, I was a walking zombie. I mean, I, I was literally a walk. I couldn't smile. I couldn't, I didn't have no yeah. emotions. You know, that stuff just, does, it just messes you up, you know? So, yeah. so, yeah. Um, so, you know, so that was, that is what made me feel like alive. It's like a moment that I actually felt the wind brushing up against my cheek, you it, know? It woke and you back I, up. You say what? I, I was, I just said that it, it essentially like woke you back up. Yeah, woke me exactly woke me back up, and I was like, "Whoa!" And so I went back to the VA and told the VA, I was like, you know, my docs, and I was like, "This is what I want to do." And no joke, after they listened to me, they they literally wrote me a prescription to continue to fish more, and and <laughs> the uh, and and the, the 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 agreement that I had with them was um, fish more, and with slowly we will wing you off the medication as long as you continue with your group therapies and your one-on-one therapy, you know? Right. And, and so that's what I did, you know, and I did that for a very long time. You know, I think that went on for four or five years of my life. And so I continued to fish, I continued to fish and the more I continued to fish, it built into a community of me connecting with anglers, connecting with hunters, connecting with, conservation people uh you know uh, i became a pupil all over again of, of of just learning you know i had nothing else to do i was literally yeah. i was still homeless still living out of my truck you know and 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 everything like that you know and so every opportunity to come up a guy that i know i would be a roadie you know and i would like show up you know with his clients and stuff and i would take right. the bags and put the bags in the boats and and all that stuff you know and so i was just learning everything how to fly fish how to spay fish how to rewater how to navigate water with the boats how to tie flies how to build fly rods i mean i was just immersed into this world of just completely a pupil of, of, of learning the art of fly fishing. And I was blessed the fact that the people who I connected with were pretty well-known folks, uh, many women that has cut their teeth in the industry and out the world. And they were just kind of like basically dumping their talents and their knowledge into me, you know, That's and, great. you yeah. know, and, and it was awesome. I mean, it, I would never, Never, you know, uh, yeah, I, yeah, it, it was just an awesome experience. And I, I treasure that and still those people are still centered around in my life. And some of them are actually part of my board, um, my organization and everything like that. But to go to your question is I founded the organization 
One day when I was uh, standing in the water, waiting, uh, waist deep, waiting, and uh, I felt this, I just felt an urge of, I'm ready to get back into society. And when I'm ready mm -hmm. to kick some ass and I don't want to get back into society to work with someone. But what I want to do is I want to create something and I want to use fly fishing of how it helped me. I want to be able to use that as a tool to be able to help others. And so since I have that background of being from at risk, being in gangs, et cetera, and I know the power of mentorship and the power of guiding a young kid and then understanding what the veterans are going through, the darkness and the demons that we deal with. You know, I'm like saying, you know what? Fly fishing could be a really good, not to solve the problem, but a good coping mechanism of stepping stone that will allow yeah. two individuals yeah. to come together, right? And and yeah. and be able to have this 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 interaction of a tribe connection slash fly fishing on the river where that youth serves a veteran, um, you know, and gives that veteran purpose and that purpose of that veteran, basically, and that mentorship gives that you guidance. I call veterans in our organization life coaches, basically, you know, so we step into the fold, we step into the arena of nature together, and we work this out together. We serve one another, period, you know, and so the organization is built off of the fly fishing, is built off a lot of different you know, principles or, you know, philosophy of the outdoors and how to treat the outdoors. And that's how I came up with the name Soul River. And it's a place where everybody can find their soul on the river, regardless of what part of life you come from, regardless of what you're dealing with, whatever the issues, there's a, there's a place for you on the river where you can redefine yourself and be able to figure things out and to move forward through life. It's a Soul River, period. That's yeah. awesome. Man, that's incredible. Uh, whew, man, that's that's some heavy stuff. Uh, and I mean, man, thanks for sharing that. I think uh, you know, I, I was a, uh, I, I was you know a part of a a newer generation of of war fighters that came in, you know, after the uh, the surge in Iraq mm -hmm. um, in the early two thousands, and even then, uh, PTSD and mental health was still kind of like a like a hush hush thing. And especially amongst the, amongst the guys, you know, it was like, Oh, you know, if you, if you have PTSD, like, you know, you don't one, you don't talk, well, one, it, it probably doesn't exist. You mm -hmm. know, and that, that was kind of the thought at that right, point. And right. two, if you, if you do have those kind of thoughts, like, you know, you need to shove them down and suppress them and, right. and not, uh, not really acknowledge it and quote unquote, you know, be a man about it. And, uh, something that, you know, my, my wife is, uh, my wife has a degree in psychology, mm. uh, and something that she really opened my eyes to was, you know, just the, the need for, uh, uh, mental health and, uh, you know, just to try and improve that and how it's not like, it doesn't show weakness that you have PTSD and, and seeking, you know, one-on-one -on -one and, 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 uh, group therapy doesn't, doesn't mean that you're a weak person. It means you're a strong person exactly. and you're going, you're going to get help. So, exactly. uh, yeah, it's, I mean, and you know, it's a, it's a lot to tell a story like that, man. And I, I, I appreciate you being, being open and honest with us about it. Um, yeah. so I know you mentioned that, uh, that you, uh, you really felt that connection with, uh, trying to connect, uh, at risk youth and, uh, and veterans, because, you know, you kind of came from both of those worlds. What, what really created that passion, 
for you to get those inner city youth into the outdoors. That's I feel like that's kind of a uh, it's kind of bringing things full circle at that point. Yeah. You know, understanding, you know, you know how the urban world is and, and the things that are happening. And, you know, and I think what really brought that to light, that light bulb is uh, that was during a time when um, Obama was in office and um in you know and there was this thing called the outdoor initiative that that was generating uh part of the obama program but it was also mm-hmm. tied with the u.s fish and wildlife uh you know and the u.s fish and wildlife took that on and they kind of like made this charge of kind of like need leave no kid behind type of mentality of wanting to try to connect more urban kids to the outdoors especially uh, kids of color, uh, you know, and and so that was a time trying to figure out how to do that, what's the best way to do that. And also, you know, that was also a time that, you know, many folks, especially government was trying to uh, look at, you know, and, and define or identify the many, many barriers that one has to go through in order to get to the outdoors, uh, you know, and so uh, all that stuff was happening. That was also at the same time that I was looking, uh, you know, to how to bring these worlds together. But the reason why I wanted to go out and, and bring more kids to the outdoors, because once I start understanding the barriers, which is uh, financial barriers or transportation yeah. barriers, yep. mm-hmm. you know, and it's as simple as a car ride. Exactly. Like that's, that's as simple as it can be sometimes. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. You know, so if you're living in inner city and you don't, parents don't have a car and you just rely on bus. How do you get to the outdoors? Right. You know, right. You yeah. know, and that kind of stuff, you know, so it is a lot of different challenges that was happening. And so I start looking at that and, you know, and that was where I saw, you know, my position. And of course I, I understand, you know, what it's like coming from the urban world. And, and I, I get that, you know? And so um, that was the reason why I really wanted to really um, make a bridge for uh, the urban world into the outdoor world and on this bridge of my organization, which I didn't share earlier and I share this now, is that when I founded this organization, just to bookmark what I was just about to say, when I founded this organization, um, it was right at the time that um, that I got my, uh, my back pay of my condition when uh, that the VA stamped me down 50% mentally disabled. Once yeah. that happened, uh, I got um, you know, a check for all the times that I'd been at the hospital. And yep. so I took that check and what I did was I self-invested into my organization and a self-invested means that not just paid for everything, but what I wanted to make sure that the money that I have, I wanted to make sure that there was, everything was zero cost for every kid and every veteran. And so it was my way to eliminate all barriers as possible to allow access and easy access from this bridge from Soul River into the outdoors. And that's been my march and my call. And so today with the mission and the organization for every kid that steps in and every veteran, they pay zero calls for everything. Nothing, nothing. They don't pay for anything. It's the organization that carries that burden of financial on the back. And we solve the problem. We figure it out and everything like that. So, yeah. So anyway, I know I chewed off and gave you a little bit too much. of your- No, no, no. no. That's great. Yeah. So, yeah, that, that's uh, man, that's that's incredible that you're you know, you're taking on that burden for for both parties. Because I, I mean, 
I'm sure you, you and I both can be the first people to tell you that the military, you aren't exactly, uh, you know, raking in the cash. Exactly. And, uh, exactly. and, 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 uh, when you retire from the military and you're put on disability, you are certainly not raking in the cash. Exactly. Uh, it's, uh, Absolutely. and, and that's, you know, that's what a lot, a lot of these, you know, guys and, and, you know, this isn't just, you know, our, our grandfathers or our fathers and grandfathers generations, you know, from Vietnam and the Korean war and world war two, this right. is, you know, these are the, the guys who were in Iraq, Afghanistan, you know, the, uh, you know, the, the Gulf War, you know, in the uh, in the last 20 years yeah. and, and they can barely afford to pay rent. Absolutely. Uh, so, yeah, it's a it's a very, very real struggle. It is. Um, it really is. You know, and, and that's, you know, and the people who are affiliated with my organization, including my board members, you know, the first thing and the, the first requirement of this organization, if you want to be able to work for this organization and be part, it takes heart, period. It, it takes heart, it, you know, and. You know, and I had to let go uh, staff, you know, I actually I had this one girl and she was actually working and she just wasn't giving all because I expect all because that's what I that's what I what and how I built this organization. It was because it wasn't about the money. I didn't have a lot of money, but I had to give it all my heart into making it a reality. And so she came back to me the next day and she said, I'm sorry, I don't have the heart. You know, and I, I appreciate her being honest with me and everything, but it takes a special person to be part of this organization because, oh, it really does. you know, yeah. we're small and everything. And it takes heart. It takes heart to build community. It takes heart to build relationships. If you really, really want to earn those relationships and 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 and, and prosper for those relationships, it takes heart. It takes heart to build brick by brick of a foundation, yeah. you know. Yep, and, yeah, and so, absolutely. so, you know, you can go a long way with heart without even if you don't have the money. If you got that heart, that heart is going to get you from point A to point B. It may be right. a struggle, but it's going to get you to point A to point B. Yeah. Period. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so if, if you are somebody that that has that heart and you you want to make those connections, what what's the best way to become a mentor uh, for those youth who want to know more about the outdoors? Yeah. So, you know, uh, we have online applications for all youth, uh, you know, and, you know, it's just really um, you know, getting in front of you, touching, you know, connecting with high schools or outdoor uh, youth programs, and they just fill out an application, and we'll call them in, talk with mom and dad, have an interview, and we're really more about like really learning and understanding about the youth and where they're coming from, etc. Uh, you know, because you know when we're going out there in the field together, um, you know, it's um, it's it's critical that the more information we know. Uh, it, it just betters on who we dealing with, basically, you know, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and same thing with volunteers and same thing with veterans. It really doesn't take much. It takes it takes the initiative for the youth. They got to have that 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 mind of like, this is I want to do something. This is an adventure. It's exciting, et cetera. They can learn, et cetera. You know, and um, and that's really all it takes. You know, my that my door is is full revolving, you know, and we don't really, really very soon we turn the youth back. Um, you know, the same thing with volunteers and same thing with veterans. And when we go on our, uh, deployments and we just make it happen. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, that's, man, that's awesome. And I think, man, I, I think that, you know, creating that full circle connection, I know a lot of veterans, um, uh, especially veterans, you know, that, that may not, uh, um, uh, that veterans that I guess I'll say that are older than me. Yeah. Uh, there's, uh, I think, I feel like there is a, uh, 
uh, when, when you're a, when you're in the military, you are a person of service, right? And you're, right. you're, you are, you have this sense of duty about you and you want to, you want to serve, you know, your brothers and sisters in arms and you want to serve, you know, the people that you're, that you're helping as well. Right. And when, when you get out, there's that disconnect because you're no longer a person of service, at least in your eyes a lot of the time. And I think that an organization like yours creates that other bridge where you have this, you know, this void in your heart and this void in your, in your life where you're like, I, I want to create a service for somebody, but I just don't know where it's at. Right. So as much as, as much as you're helping the kids, like this is really helping the veterans just as much. Absolutely. It's helping them both of them. You know, I always say when I was speaking, I was like, you know, uh, it's uh, the relationship between that youth and that veteran. They're like soldiers. You know, you got a soldier that served and fought for the country. And you got a young soldier that's actually fighting for their own existence, you know, for them to be heard, you know, yeah. and they're coming from these different backgrounds and both were torn backgrounds. But you put these together, it becomes kind of like an iron sharpening iron, you know, and yeah. you know, one sharpening each other. And so it's this tribe that's created. Uh, it becomes a really, really strong community, uh, you know, and these veterans, they step up, they show up, you know, and when they show up, they are actually grooming and training and, and getting these youth into leadership mindsets, you know, and, you know, and our deployments doesn't stop right there. When we come back from our deployments, uh, us veterans, we we basically work with partners in the conservation world and we hold and set up meetings on Capitol Hill. We set these meetings up on Capitol Hill and then we bring in those youth who went out to the uh, to this part of public lands and our fresh water to see what's going on. We give them the platform. They step right. in this arena and they learn how to use their voice. They learn how to advocate. They have conversations with congressional members, you know, and they are able to interact and everything. And us vets, we step back and just give them basically support and a confidence build, period. Yeah. yeah. You're creating the platform and providing the support so that they can, you know, step into that, that spot. Yeah. Absolutely. It's it's amazing though like how how much of a difference giving somebody a sense of purpose can mm-hmm. make. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, that's I know a lot of my friends that uh are military. That was kind of to what Matt was touching on before. You know, when when they came back to, you know, normal civilian life there was a a lack of that sense of purpose and direction and until something gets injected in there either you know the guy finds something on their own or something is introduced to them like you know an organization such as this it can be a struggle because a lot of people, if they don't find it, if they don't find that sense of purpose, they're going to fill it with something. Yeah, that's not always good. And and that's where a lot of times you get guys that, you know, end up struggling. Right. Exactly. Purpose yeah. is king. It is. King. Yeah. I mean, yeah. if you don't have purpose, then you, you don't feel fulfilled and everything just... <clears throat> spirals yeah yeah 
So, Chad, one of the, um, well, the, the entire reason I even got connected with you was because uh, Garrett found your uh, blog or your article on uh, um, the killing of, of George Floyd and, and what your reaction was to it. Yeah. Uh, um, that was that was heavy stuff. And and it it correlated with something that I had talked about earlier in the week that I thought a lot of people kind of missed the point on. Uh, and, and that's why I reached out to you because I really wanted to get, get your perspective on, on the entire, you know, topic of, of being, you know, a person of color, you know, a black man and that's, that's involved in the outdoors. So why, uh, why'd you, why'd you write the article and, and kind of, if you want to, uh, give us a, a 30,000 foot view of kind of what you covered, then, you know, that would, that'd probably be helpful, but all for listeners, I'll include the link to the article, uh, in the description, if you want to go check it out. Yeah. So, you know, you know, I think, you know, when we talk about this article and, and, and talk about the why I, I ask, including not just why we're having this conversation, but even listeners, you know, to, um, you know, to, to, apply patience and just listen and um, before we get too quick to respond, you know, I think, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. there's, we, we're very good at responding really quick, especially emotion, <laughs> you know? Yes. And, um, yeah. and, and so, uh, but as I, you know, breathe into this conversation here is, um, um, you know, it's, uh, I think really, you know, when the stuff happened with George and this, not this, not to go all in detail about George, what happened, we, we, we know what happened, et cetera, you know, but I think really what got to a point was of my identification, how I identified with George of being, um, being African-American. And, and I think it got to a point that it was a tipping point of, of, of many African-Americans, especially being, you know, uh, African-American male, can identify with George, the situation. And my attitude was like, wow, that could be me. I've had my experiences, you know, and, and, and being pulled over by cops and all this kind of stuff. And, and sometimes I wonder why I pulled over, you know, and, uh, um, you know, and, and so, you know, it's, 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 I had to really be careful you know, and cautious of even when I was to write this and put this together, you know, because I, the last thing is I didn't want to create any ugliness of, of, of hate or, or, or backlash. And apparently it still happened. <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah. Which <laughs> just goes to show in my mind that people didn't, didn't like your very first line, you know, wait before you judge, take a deep breath. Yeah. And, and, you know, like you said, you know, exemplify that patience and, and understanding when you read this. And if people didn't get that, then I don't, I don't think that they understood what you were talking about. Well, I mean, that's a right. fundamental issue across the board in our culture as a whole right now. Yeah. Is that people read and people listen to respond Right. Instead of reading and listening to understand what's being said and then evaluate it. Right. And it's two very different things. 
Yeah, it, it is. It really is. And and uh, the the first, the second part that you just mentioned, that acquires discipline. That acquires it does. discipline, you know, yeah. and there's not a lot of people tend to have that kind of self-discipline, you know, and <laughs> yeah. we're, we're very quick to, you know, rah, 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 you know, and and um, and I think, you know, to really take a deep lens and a deep, you know, take a step back and just think about what what I was writing and what I'm trying to say. And that's why I was trying to respond to even some people on post and on Facebook and everything like that. And just, just, they were just like coming at it with this hard mentality, you know, and, you know, and I was like, you know, I just, I just need you to kind of like sit with this for a little bit, just sit with it for, you know, yeah. think about where I'm coming from here, you know? And, and um, so, so yeah, so writing this process, writing this article was a process for me, you know, and, and it was hard. I I think I said to myself, I was going to sit down and I, you know, um, say I'm going to knock this out in two hours. But that two those two hours turn into like ten hours, you know. Yeah. And and because I struggled with it, I I, I struggled not with the writing piece, uh, but I struggled with a lot of emotions and and should I let this out? Because letting this out, it's 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 letting out a secret and it, it, which is a, um, an experience slash a voice that spoke amongst uh, especially people of color uh, that, you know, it's not really talked about. Actually, it's so much talked about that we have learned to live and be, it, be, it has become a normal, which is not right. And, right. and you know, and so, um, it was a big leap for me, you know, and then me with an organization, I was like, wow, this is going to make me much more vulnerable. And I'm like, how is it going to affect my organization and all this? Yeah. And, you know, I was just like, you know, the, you know, people, there's, there's uh, people up to no good out there, you know, there's, there's yeah. good. In yeah. here. That's the reality. That's another, nothing to do with race. There's just some mean, ugly people out there. That's just right. no good period, you know? And, and, and so, uh, so I just kind of like said, you know what, I'm just going ahead and write this and I'm just going to, you know, put some blessings to this and put it out and, and, and stand by it, you know? And, and, and so this article is, it's, it's what it's about. It's, 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 um, it's about, you know, walking through with black skin from the urban world into the outdoor world. Yeah. Um, and, um, having black skin, um, from the day that you're born, which I talked about that in the article, is um, was once actually shared with me by my mom is the fact that you're born with the target. That's a common conversation that we have, especially yeah. in the South, you know. Yep. And um, and 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 so, you know, when you look at a like a you know like a um, a white family and a black family, and you have sons and daughters, and in the white family. There's this place in both families, actually. There's this place I would say we got, there's this birds and the bees. The conversation happens. Right, right. Dad, right. You know, and mom and dad are out there and they go, oh, son, you're 18 or whatever. Or, or actually much more, probably younger than that, you know. <laughs> yeah. But have the birds and the bees talk, right? Yeah. And then you may have this, uh, this, this kind of conversation of life and what do you want to do when you grow up and all that kind of stuff. That happens in both families. But the one thing that happens that doesn't happen in the white family is, especially when you have a black son and the father's there in the house and the mm -hmm. father starts asking the questions like, what do you want to do when you grow up, son? 
Where do you want to go? You know, et cetera. And your son, the son gets curious and say, dad, I want to be a doctor. Dad, I want to go off to college. I want to join the military or I want to be a policeman, dad, whatever the case is. He said, okay, son. Well, right now you're nine years old and you are black and you got a target on you. I need to help you figure out and help you survive from your age to 18. Yeah. And when we get, when we get to this point of 18, uh, I also need to teach you what to do and what not to do for you to be able to make it to college because son, I want to see you make it. You know, I don't want to be able to bury my son at age 10, 12, 13, 14, whatever young age where every, that kid has an opportunity for a full life. Every father want to be able to see their son grow, you know, you know, everything like that, you know, so that's that conversation that, that happens in an an African-American family that my dad had with me. And, you know, and, and he always told me, he says, I don't care where you do, you, you know, you work hard, you go to school, your education is what's going to free you, son. Your education is what's going to allow you to do what you need to do. Okay. You know, everything like that. You're going to have your challenges, et cetera, but understand that to pass What's on your skin, their skin being black, being a target, the more education you can be, the better off you have as a chance of life, you know? And so all this kind of stuff. And so it's, it's, that's kind of like what this artist is talking about. And as I'm growing up and talking about this, of course, I'm a grown man now. Um, You know, I'm, I'm in the outdoors and there's that fear. You know, and, and, and so when you, when you have a black skin, we, your lens is different. My lens yeah. Different, oh, absolutely. You mm-hmm. know? And, and, and so, you know, and this, you know, just to bring my dad up one more time, you know, even when I'm talking this article and then we talk about the outdoors and stuff, you know, is, you know, my dad, my dad said to me not too long on my birthday, just, you know, came a couple of weeks back and he says, son, what are you, um, what are you going to do for your birthday? And I said, well, dad, I'm thinking about going out to the river. You know, I'm going to go off grid, go down to the river, make up camp and and do some fly fishing. You know, that's, that's you know, the week is coming. I'm really, really looking forward to it. My dad says, he says, son, I understand that the river, the outdoors is, is, is it means just that much to you. It's really, mm-hmm. really special. I understand. But it worries me, son. It worries me every time you step out. And, yeah. and and I just want to ask you, I just want to say this. Can you at least go to a campground where there's a lot of people at? So that way you're not by yourself. And, yeah. uh, and my father is trying to save me. He's mm-hmm. operating from a generational fear. Mm-hmm. You know, that's where he's operating from. And that generational fear does roll itself over into that next generation, my yep. generation. You know, it rolls itself over. And so... That kind of fear, it does stem from the history of America. It stems from a lot of, you know, everything, you know, indigenous cultures, fighting, wars, slavery, all that stuff, you know. And and with African-American culture and where my father came, my grandfather, uh, you know, it's, 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 it's crazy of how that fear tends to lurk over our heads everywhere we go. And really it's it's there hasn't been a closure to that fear you know right no one hasn't been able to find a way to close that you know and put that to rest and so it is in that next generation it's in my generation and when i go into the outdoors 
uh, you know, there's 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 this, there's a fear there. There's a fear uh, that that does, you know, hovers over me, you know, and, yeah. you know, and and in and, and, and my experience is 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 kind of dictated and altered by that fear. And don't get me wrong, I'm not scared to be in the outdoors, you know. Uh you know, and that's not it. it. It's 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 the fear of being out there, but it's not really the outdoors. It's the people that comes in right. the outdoors. You know? Yeah. You know Well and, and that's a conversation like the the conversation that your dad had with you that I mean I I can't fathom like having that conversation with my dad, at least about, about my skin color, yeah. uh, you know, and, and that, that being the reason why, you know, you need to, you know, him begging and pleading for, you know, to go somewhere where there's lots of people around. Right. Yeah. Uh, and that's, the, I think that's the, the stark difference, the people that dismiss, uh, you know, the, when people like you talk about, you know, what it's like to be, you know, a person of color in the outdoors, they just, dis, you know, they just completely dismiss that notion because right. they don't, they've never had that conversation. They've never had to, they've never even had to think about it. Right. Well, and, and it's the lens that a lot of the people are coming from. Right. I mean, if you've never experienced it and you've never seen it, then until it's presented to you, it, in a lot of cases, doesn't exist. Exactly. Right. Right. It and, doesn't exist. And that's you a, know? A, yeah. a big a big part of the the challenge because right. i mean like locally to me i'm i'm in wisconsin i'm rural area i mean i i've grown up pretty much my entire life in farm country and so i mean like you touched on some of this earlier but it's not uncommon for you know 10 year old kids to be hopping on their bike with a fishing pole and running across town to the creek mm -hmm. you know that that is normal right. right right so just having that access and 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 the parents not having any real worries about them going running off by themselves right you know so from that lens it that you know that situation isn't even a thought Right. Yeah. Right. And and um and and in this conversation, you know disrespect, but just to just to educate and where the, the words of the phrase that they use today with that lens, it's 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 and I'll say this and I can break this down with the definition, but that lens that you're talking about is a privilege lens. That's a and absolutely you know, that's yep. It's a yep. privilege lens, you know, and in and it's and it's by choice. It could be by choice as well. And let me just say, privilege when I mean it doesn't. Privilege does not mean money. You know, oh, and, agreed, agreed. It, it doesn't mean money. You know, it doesn't mean you know. It, it's there's there's a different way of how we look at things and how we are affected by just by the color of our skin and yep. and, and 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 that equates to certain types of privileges that we are able to achieve. I can still achieve the same thing you're achieving. It's going to take me much longer. And sometimes I may not. It may have some bears in my row and everything like that, you know, but there's, there's a privilege that comes into play here, you know, yeah. and that's, go ahead. That, that's, I, I think, and, and I'm going to, I'm going to say this and I don't, I don't give a rip if we lose every single listener based on this comment. But I, I think that when, 
when people, you know, white privilege is being is being brought up, you know, quite a bit now in our current environment. And yeah. I think that what people miss, and that's exactly what you just said, white privilege isn't that, you know, you've been handed tons of money or, you know, you didn't have to work hard or anything right. like that. It's that your skin color didn't impact you ha- like having to think about things like that. It's- and, and, and that's what I think yeah. the, uh, the quote unquote white community is completely missing right now. It's just going yeah. way over their head, especially the yeah. outdoor community, because right. I'll, I'll admit that was me a year ago, a hundred percent. That was a year ago. I was like, pfft. Like, there's not, no, there's no such thing as as white privilege in this instance. And it's, it's, you know, I'm still trying to learn. I'm still trying to understand, but Mm -hmm. I think that's, uh, uh, I think that when, when I saw somebody have that part of the conversation, I was like, everything just clicked. Yeah. I was like, oh, I get it now. And, and I, I think that's what people are missing. What's up, Garrett? I think what just a lot of people don't like, I've had to make myself think about it. Just, you know, go back, you know, back in your mind of situations you've been in where, you know, you, you can just like trying to think, what if my skin color was different in that situation? Like if I were a person of color, if I were black or whatever, uh, in that same situation, would the outcome have been the same? Mm-hmm. And I can't tell you how many situations I've been in where I don't know the answer to that question, but I can probably no. say, no, it would not have been the same outcome. Yeah. Just cause yeah. I've, you know, I have friends that have like, they did the same shit I did and they got in way more trouble than I did. Mm-hmm. And it, like, that's, you know, I didn't even have to think about it. I'd just be like, Oh, sorry. I didn't know I couldn't do that. And then you leave. Yeah. 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 You know, it's uh, I, I was having this one conversation uh, with this other guy. We we're talking about, you know, being in the outdoors and being black. And he was asking me about, you know, I carry and, um, you know, and and I told him, I said, you know, um, I don't want to ever find myself in a situation where I would have to draw my weapon just to protect myself. Right. Uh, you know, but I'm going to nobody does. Nobody. Yeah, wants. Exactly. Exactly. You know, and. But I, 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 but I told him, I said, you know, there's a big difference of, of, of the outcome of, of what can happen versus me versus you. With me, there's only two things that's going to happen. If something like that happens, I'm going to go six feet under. Or if I happen to survive that situation, I'm going to be put into the system really fast. With right. you being white... If you survive and if you don't go six feet under and you survive the situation, justice is going to come in to support you. Oh, yeah. We're going to get the benefit of the doubt of the doubt because, you know, dead dead men tell no tales is what they say. But yeah, yeah, exactly. It only works for people that are on the side of the system that the system was built for. Right. Right. You know, so. So it's a bit, it's a bit, it's, 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 it's dicey. It's crazy. You know, yeah. like, you know, how, and, and the only reason why I, I actually carry and everything like that, because I had too many close encounters. I've been shot at twice while I've been on the You know, outrageous. I've been shot at one, you know, one guy and to be technical, to be accurate, the one guy, he gave a warning shot. He told me to get off his river. Who owns a river? Yeah. You know? Yeah, <laughs> this river is, is made for everybody. It's right. made for everybody to enjoy and everything. I'm fly fishing on a river that 
where the river actually heals me. But I have to fight in order to get to the river. And then I got to run away from the river because now I'm getting shot at. You know, something that, that like that sort of situation is like, so I love, I, I moved out here from Ohio five years ago. I live in Oregon too. I actually live in Portland also. Okay. Right so on. I'll have to come visit you sometime. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Um, but I moved out West and like one of my favorite things about living out West is the public lands and all the access that you have. But that is like the interactions with people is my least favorite portion of the public access because people act like they own the place. Yeah. And I can, I can't even imagine like the shit that you have to deal with being, you know, being black and diff like, you know, they see you here and there's already not a lot of black people in Oregon. Thanks to their wonderfully racist past. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like I, I just can't imagine what that's like. It's, it's, it's a, yeah, you know, it's, um, um, it's, it's a hard, it's, it's hard, man. You know, um, I don't know really how to describe it or what it's like, um, you know, but you know, you learn to live with it. It's, I, I'm going to share this with you. Um, but man, you shouldn't have to, that's the yeah, frustrating it, part. Yeah. yeah. That's, yeah. There's so no sense in it. Here's an email. I'm not going to read the whole email, but it's an email from my, my, my younger brother. He lives in Japan. And it's about the article. And it's interesting, he says, because it, it just sheds more light. And it's sad. But he says, uh, hey, I read the article about racism in outdoors. Uh, Portland, it was very educational and informative. You know that growing up in Texas, we face many obstacles. Chad, do you remember Mineral Wells, Texas, and the situation that happened with us and our family and mom and dad? Uh, I don't know how we survived it there. I guess racism was so institutionalized in the South that it was normal or we made it an excuse for it to protect the aggressor. I'm going to stop right there, you know. And, you know, and I got a lot of emails from certain people but when he said that, it was because that's what has become. It become it has became unnormal to put up with that. It has right. became unnormal to accept that. You know, it has became unnormal to actually talk um, amongst other black and brown folks about our secret and how we feel. You know, it became yeah. normal to keep our voice low and not and pretend and everything. You know, so we. Even being, you know, black and brown, African-American or black in America, how you want to put that, um, we we have we have we have taken that to it's become normalized to where it's not right. You know, and and I think going back to the old Georgia, it was that tipping point of what happened and how I can identify with that. That could be me. That could be me, you know. And, and I was like, wow, you know, I was like, I said, I, it just felt, I just needed to write this. I needed to put it out there. You know, um, I gotten so many, so much feedback from, uh, women, uh, from men. I got feedback from all, you know, different other black and brown folks, Hispanic, uh, e even Indian, you know, uh, you know, and, and how they felt. Yeah. And it was just like this article, it kind of opened up 
many, many voices of many of how they feel going into the outdoors, you know? Yeah. And, and, and um, I hear women talking about, you know, that's why I like to be in women's groups, you know, and, and, and they're afraid to be by themselves uh, in the outdoors. And one girl, she talks, she's a photographer. She loves outdoor photography, but she says, I like to get out there and take my, uh, take my photographs as quick as possible and get my ass back into my car and get out of there. Right. You know what? It's, um, that's, that's a little weird. Yeah. Yeah. Outdoors, yeah. Right? You know? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know, you, know, you, just, you know, it's just, you find healing in the outdoors, you find happiness, you find good moments and joy. And, but there's, there is this demographic of people of color that, uh, um, has a problem of going into the outdoors by themselves. Yeah. yeah. Well, and that's, I, I feel like that's one of the points that like, that somebody somebody tried to make to like basically say I was wrong when I when I posted you know uh, this this old article from Meat Eater mm-hmm. and you know they they pointed out there's multiple uh, you know um, quote unquote black only uh, outdoor groups and I was like well why do you think that is is it's because they're not like they want to go out together because they feel safer that they way safer to oh, and, and it's yeah. a place where they feel accepted right yeah exactly right and you so know? exactly I'm glad you brought it up because that's something I was going to talk about but but you're right you know it's nothing wrong with the groups but when but you got to look at why there yeah. are groups, right? Yep. Yeah. Yep. You, know, you know, you know, I mean, I, I think it'll be awesome to see, to see a day when there's not groups. And guess what? There's a mix of people coming together and we're joining together. That's the ultimate. But we're not there yet. We're, yeah. we, you know, we're kind of separated. We got you got Hispanic in their own groups of outdoor groups. You got Americans. They're there because the fact that they are safer in a group instead of being by themselves going out there. You yeah, know, you know, and so, but yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, um, and, and I mean, the the you getting shot at incident is not isolated. Like you've had, oh, no, uh, unfortunately, it's it sounds like you've had multiple. Um, I had multiple. I've been shot at. I my my vehicle's been I'm coming back and seeing the word nigger on, on my vehicle. Get out, nigger. Um, you know, I my my brake lines. I'll never get. I I talked about my brake lines, but I didn't go all in detail. There's a story to that because it's a uh, that right there. Well, I never forget because it was another it was another brother uh, of mine who was really interested in fly fishing. And uh, he's retired um, cage fighter, uh, done really, really well in the business and everything like mm-hmm. that. Uh, but, you know, he's kind of jacked up now. He's retired. Um, and so he was looking for a new sport. His wife met me and she found out fly fish. She said, you got to meet my husband. We met. We clinged on together. And he was like a really awesome dude. And so uh, he wanted to get into fly fishing. First stop, we moved into a fly fishing shop. We drove over there. I said, I said, Ed. Come on out, man. Let's uh, go check out this spot. I'm going to show you some gear and everything like that. We walked in there. And uh, when we walked in, uh, we basically hung out for almost 45 minutes waiting for help. There was like two people in there at that time. And, mm. you know, and, and, and they kept us up. We'll be right with you. We'll be right with you. We'll be right with you. And, you know, and it was really a weird situation. But that was kind of like the start of what we're about to enter uh, because we stood there and Ed got really upset. And, you know, because he, he didn't look the part. He did not right. look the part 
of an angler. He did not look the part. Trust me. You know, right. you, you know <laughs> if you, you know, I don't know if you watch cage fight and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. He still carried himself. So he ha- he was completely out of water and he did not look the part. But I tell you one thing. I brought in a millionaire and this guy was ready to drop down five, six, six grand on a full blown outfit, period. He was yeah, ready yeah. to do that, you know, but there was a judgment that took place and he walked around as well. And we kept on waiting, kept on, and Ed got really upset, really upset. And he just darted out there and I went up there and I said, Ed, Ed, no, come on, man, come on. This is, give him more time. He said, no, F them, F them, you know, I yeah. don't want to go back in there. I do because he, you know, he was, you know, it felt dehumanized. You know, it was like, he, I just, there was no respect and nothing like that. He said, listen, you know, I'll go somewhere else, whatever, but I'm not going back in there. You know, and I said, all right, Ed, I got you, man. I got you. So moving forward, coming, it's uh, Veterans Day. Right around the corner was Veterans Day coming up. Mm-hmm. And uh, and me and Ed, and so I cooked Ed up with my gear and he had my rods and stuff like that. We drove down to the Deschutes. And uh, and we were down there and we drove down. There. I pulled up right behind that that car. I think it was a Subaru or something like that. Pulled up right behind. There was two white anglers in the river fishing. We could our gear on. We stepped out. We started to make our way down there and in the passing the anglers coming out of the river and they're getting their gear to walking by. I said, hey, and he said, hey, and uh, me and Ed were fishing. Me and Ed were fishing, 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 having a good time. They said, you know, you ready to go home? I said, yeah, ready to go home. Pack up our gear. We hike back up. Uh, you know, and, and the car, when we hiked back, it wasn't that far. We were inside of the vehicle and everything like that, you know. And so, anyway, we got up there, put our gear in, in the vehicle, started down the road, and psh, all over the place. It was like, what the hell, you know? And we get out in the situation, and, uh, and Ed ends up looking um, – uh, underneath the car and, and around the car and find out, you know, the, the brake lines was completely ripped out. Brake lines ripped out left and right, you know, and, and, uh, and I was, and Ed was like furious. He was, you know, he, I was also pissed off as hell, you know, and I was like, what the hell? We're freaking down here. Here it's going like seven thirty, eight o'clock right now. And, you know, sun's going down in the canyons. I'm like, what the hell are we going to do? People passes up. People didn't stop saying, you guys need whatever. I mean, we were in a really bad situation, you know? Right, right. So eventually we just hung out there. Ed, he had, he had a screwdriver, got a screwdriver in my rig and, you know, and he happened to know some things about vehicles. He got up underneath the hood and uh, of the carriage of the vehicle and he started doing some stuff because whatever they did to the brake lines, uh, it, it did something to where I couldn't pull my gear shift out of park. And, oh, wow. uh, you know, so we were stuck. And so basically um, Ranger did show up, you know, uh, basically they took a report. And they took off and said, we'll be right back, you know, and they never came back and everything like that. And so we were holding Jeez. a record, you know, uh, you know, trying to get a tow truck or something. And the tow truck never came. So me and Ed, we just made blessings. You know, we made blessings. He said, yo, man, this is what we do. You know, I think yeah. I can get this thing out of the gear uh, to get this in drive, you know, and we'll just take it slow. And let's just use this, you know, as this works, let, let's just use this fucking uh, e-brake. You know, right. Yep. So we made our way from the shoots, Oregon, from the shoots all the way over the overpass back in the port. We had to go over the mountain, the mountain hood and get into Portland. And and it was a crazy, crazy drive because here I am. I'm just like pulling hard on my e-brakes going over the mountain and coming down the mountain. I mean, it was crazy. Yeah, it, it, it was the only way we can get back, you know, but yeah. it was just. 
it was crazy. You know, <laughs> just like his wife showed up finally, you know, and where I can, we only go so far. We got into yeah. Portland and everything. Picking up his stuff. wife was probably like, you're never hanging out with Chad again. Yeah, know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but it was just like, yeah, but I think it's been, it's been, yeah, it's, it's, it's been, I had notes left on my vehicle and, and some really ugly notes. I mean, just some ugly, ugly stuff, but it, it, you know, it's you know, get the hell out, you know, out of here, you know, calling the N word and all this kind of stuff. I mean, it's just ridiculous when I go into, you know, a uh, couple outdoor shops and, you know, I, I would get judged and, and get put in this bucket. Like I don't have enough money. And for some reason, I don't know, but I'll look at this backpack. And when I look at this backpack, I was like, oh, I really wanted, I was trying to, and then all it takes, someone say, you know what? I think that's a, that's a little bit, that's pretty pricey. Why don't you look at this one over here? And this one, I, and I was like, you don't know me. And yeah. <laughs> you don't even know some of my, po-. you know, this it's just one thing after another, after another. And it just, it, it just, it, it, you know, it just, yeah. It piles up and, and it weighs on you. Yeah. yeah. Well, and like the crazy thing with like the last comment that you made there is that like in a lot of cases, I would think that those people are legitimately thinking that they're they're being helpful. Yeah. And, you know, trying to point out something that, you know, might be cheaper or whatever. In right. their mind, they're going, "Oh, well, like, I'm, I'm, I'm being nice, right? Not well, even registering you're, what you're they're being doing." Racist. No, right. yeah, yeah. I, I'm not. I'm not saying that it's acceptable. No, yeah, I'm, I, I'm, I was yeah, saying, I'm that just saying that that's that's what it, there, there's a like, disconnect. Oh, I'm be nice, but yeah, that, that like I don't know, like. It's that and predetermined it, bias that yeah, you like. That pe- a lot of people don't even know that they have, and like you said, you know, it's subconscious a lot of the time. But that yeah, doesn't mean yeah. that doesn't make it okay or yeah. right. Oh yeah, exactly. Yeah, You'd I, get a different outcome if my skin was white and I walk into an outdoor. I would get a different. I would get a different approach. Oh, definitely. You know, I would totally get a different approach. You know, matter of fact, uh, matter of fact, in that approach, I, it may it may start out with a really nice conversation. You know, how are you mm-hmm. doing today? You know, all this kind of stuff. You know, it we, you know, it's a different. Like I said, you know, it's walking through this world with black skin. It's it's a different experience. You know, and yeah. and and um and for ones who don't understand, in order to understand, is 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 to really cross over and connect with, you know. African Americans, people of color, and, and 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 learn with them and grow with them, and you too will probably not see the full stint of what's happening, but your lens will change. Yeah, and well, that's one thing. I, I guess I would like to just kind of point out for listeners because what you've experienced can definitely depend on on where you're at, right? Because like for me locally like we have a a lot of recent immigrants from that, that are that are Hmong okay and like in growing up this has been i guess fairly prevalent but a lot of them are getting trying to get into the outdoors Wisconsin is huge hunting huge mm-hmm. fishing and it's 
at least in my area, prejudice for against them ha- has been a lot more visible. Yeah. Um, because like the stuff that you brought up that you've dealt with with people leaving notes and vandalizing, you know, vehicles and harassing, like I've I've seen that happen with Hmong outdoorsmen mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and with native outdoorsmen. Yeah. yeah, native. Yeah. We have a lot of natives in our area. And I mean, one of my friends just a couple months ago, it's finally going to court. They they were fishing and some guy started shooting at them. Mm-hmm. Like, and apparently like, you know, they're the whole mess. I just can't even fathom but, having that kind of hate in your heart. I know. Like, it just blows but, my mind. Well, you know, it's, 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 it's kind of me to cut you guys off, but, you know, what you're talking about, like, the Native American, like, like I, I get these, like, messages and stuff, people saying, and I'll just read this one to you, and this is the, from an Indian uh, guy. Um, he said, I'm East Indian and obsessed with fly fishing, but I frankly feel some sense of fear while driving around backcountry roads or stalking small trout streams. If these waters are adjacent to private land, all I need is that one landowner to shoot first and ask questions later. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Well, and it, it's sad that that's, you know, the situation in some of these areas. But yeah. it's, in my mind, I mean, I think that this will kind of tie into the next topic that we kind of had on the list, but. Like as outdoorsmen, outdoors women, outdoors people, whatever you want to say, like we need to be inclusive. Right. And so like if you see someone that that's new, that might not because I mean, I at least in my mind, I think that's where a lot of the 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 early issues stem from is seeing someone that is quote unquote different and is struggling with something that seems very natural because you've done it your entire life. Right. 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 And instead of just watching and I mean, today's world, someone could be getting beat to death on the sidewalk and half the people are just going to sit there with their cell phones. Yeah. Yeah. Which blows my mind. And yeah, that's a whole other mess. Mm -hmm. But instead of just sitting there and going, I'm just going to mind my business. Like help the person out. Exactly. Introduce yourself and see if they want assistance. Right. And Hey, if they don't that, whatever, that's fine. But in a lot of cases, just having someone initiate, can be a huge step. Big step. Yeah. It can all, I mean, it can also lead to lifelong friendships. Like, Oh, absolutely. yeah. You completely. Know, I got a job working at a gun store in the archery department. So they had an archery department and gun store. Um, I would have never worked there if it weren't for my friend Rod. So I started working there. My friend Rod is black. And then there were three guys that just kind of hung around the shop all the time. But you know, I had learned a ton from those guys working at an archery shop outside of Cincinnati, but 
I'm friends with all of those guys to this day, but I'd still see people treat them like complete shit when they'd come in and they'd come right to me because I was the white guy at the archery area. And I'm like, why, why aren't you talking to them? They're the ones teaching me. Why are you being this way? I, <laughs> yeah, what is why wrong are you being with an you? idiot? They're, they're the smart I'm like, ones. And like, what yeah. is wrong with you? Don't listen to me. Listen to them. They're teaching me what I'm doing. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I guess my, my big question and, and kind of what, what I'm trying to take away from this conversation, what I hope the listeners take away from it is, you know, uh, I, I'm just a, a white guy in Missouri, like, and, and how, how the heck do I become an advocate for these, for people of color to get into the outdoors? Like, I mean, is it literally like if I see a person of color, should I just like enter, like, should I go and introduce myself and like, like identify as an ally? Like I have no idea how to broach this situation and I'm hoping you might be able to give give me particularly uh, a little, a little bit of insight on, on how to handle that. Sure. Um, I, well, you know, that's a, that's a complicated one. Um, you know, I, yeah. So as an individual, like you can glean from this, what I'm about to say, and, and I actually came up with this um, to answer that more for a company but it could be definitely done the same direction. But there's a lot of companies out there uh, due to the time and the changes that we are in, or even organizations as well, that they're rewriting their mission statement or they're crafting a, a statement to address yeah. the public, right? right? You know, and that's fine. You know, that's fine. I mean, that's awesome that they, they even, they're taking the time just to do that, you know. But the steps to make that much more effective – if not it, without it being a um, without it being just a, a fluff of words for the time being, mm -hmm. we, we got to apply action to that mission. And so we need a you know a good rule is to come up with five actions uh, that's going to support that mission. And with those five actions are actions that can also be opened up to help bring in people of the community to help collaborate and come up with those actions together we're working together here basically you know yeah and 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 so now when i can bring in someone from the community and we're working together we come up with these actions now we have the opportunity to hold each other accountable to make sure that these actions get implemented in the right way and right. and so now we have developed this relationship we're working together we're holding each other accountable etc now to an individual um you know, it, there's not a mission statement involved, but there's also that opportunity of connecting with a, a community leader of, let me say, like, um, you know, um, uh, an organ, a nonprofit organization of youth of color, uh, et cetera, and connecting with that director. That is, and if you have a skill set, your skill set can be an implementation of an action that can put you in a place of being a teacher. An instructor, yeah. right? You know, yeah. mm -hmm. and, so, and, and so that way, you know, you're stepping into a space, you're bringing in your resources, and your resources happen to be an awesome skill set. If you're an outdoorsman, you're probably filled with, you know, everything from starting a fire, right, uh, to to you know, uh, trekking, how to read a map, how to read a topo map, and compass, etc. And so 
those are things that's always needed, especially in a lot of your uh, you know, your outdoor groups, and especially if this is the type of outdoor group is very, very basic and they're just taking kids to a park, you know, you, you know, it, so what you have can be like golden and can insert yourself to where now you are, you are doing the work. You are working with these, this, this group here uh, of like African-American youth or Hispanic youth, et cetera, but you're integrating. And now you have the opportunity to sit down and say to the director, say, you know, I got some ideas. You know, you want to sit down and have a conversation because there's some things I would like to bring and like to share with you. And maybe you can use it, maybe you're not. But what you're doing is you're starting a collaboration to start creating a new form of actions, actions, right, with this person to where now we can basically blossom together and enrich these kids' lives more. You know, we're working together. And so really the end of the day, we're talking about building a healthier community, you know, community that, that are not operating in silo, which we already have that we got, you know, don't get me wrong. I'm not going to not, you know, the, you know, the African-American outdoor groups and the Hispanic outdoor groups. And I get that there's a purpose for that and reason why they feel safe, but it would be awesome to feel They'll, they'll, well, it'd be awesome to actually dismantle um, the the question marks of hate and racism and ignorance, right? And we can yeah. come together and we can work together here to build something even much more healthier, you know? And and so I think, you know, so I think there's there's what I said and however you are able to lean and, and lean into, uh, you know, you can pull something out of that and, and, and that, that will give you an answer of what what you can do to be support. And then at the end of the day, of course, uh, what one of you guys were talking about, if, if there's something wrong uh, that that's happening in our society and and, 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 and our you know misbehave or something of ignorance and all this kind of stuff happening, you know, yeah, don't act that. silent, yeah. right? Don't act in silent like it's not happening. Step in like this is your community, like this is your family, and help. Ask a question. Yeah, you need help. You know, showing that you care goes a long way. It means yeah. a lot. You know. Yeah. You know, I can, as a veteran, not to say you know, change the conversation, but even me being black and being a veteran and being at one time my homeless, I walk for years, for four or five years, of being in silo, being invisible. Right. You know. People are not even looking at me. I mean, it's crazy. And it's crazy because at the end of the day, all I really wanted, it wasn't money. I didn't need your money. You know, really, I just wanted to be acknowledged. I wanted to be seen. See me for who I am. That's really what it comes down to. See this young lady of who she is. Appreciate her differences, you know, and and let's come together and, and let's work together because that's the only way that we're going to be able to dismantle the racism, the hate and the air. It's the only way. And, and, yeah. and to sum it up in, in, in three words, love is king, period. Mm, exactly. You know? Yeah. When that's Man. for me, at least it's, I mean, and this is across the board, just general life rule is, if you have the tools to help someone and you see that they need help, the least that you can do 
is start that conversation and, and make the offer. Right. Yeah. And right. that's at that point, it's it's in their court. If if they're receptive, wonderful. Yeah. But at least, you know, you made that step to try and start the conversation. Exactly. And that's and that's, you know, not even purely just related to this discussion. That That's just everything. Yeah. You know, you see somebody broken down on the side of the road. Like, I understand that people are busy. I understand that, you know, a lot of times we have to be somewhere at a certain time. Mm-hmm. But I'm sure that that person had to be somewhere, too. Right. You know, so it's you know, taking a step back and just, I mean, in, in my view, just trying to be a better person in general. And I mean, it starts with you. It starts at home. Yeah. It starts at home, especially with the kids, you know, hate, ignorance, racism is learned. It's It's all learned. learned. Yep. 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 Yeah. It's all learned and it can be unlearned, you know, and I can like, and, and, and how we unlearn that, is we have to be able to uh, rise above all of that with our hearts. It's gonna take a. It's gonna take love, and when I mean love, I'm not talking about the relationship love. Yeah, you know, I, I'm talking about it takes a strength. A it's, dis- it's a selflessness. Exactly to rise up. You know, we rise up. That's what. That's how we're supposed to function in communities. We're supposed to rise up for the weak. Rise up for the ones who can't fend fend for themselves. You know, rise up for the ones who can't speak for themselves. You know, this is my brother. This is my sister. It doesn't matter on the color, but this is my brother and this is my sister. And I'm going to rise up to support and help protect or help dismantle or whatever the case is. I'm here. And we as a community, as a society, as a United States, we have missed that. That's not in our uh, that's not in our program right now. You know, you go into the outdoors, it's not in that program. You go into the urban world, it's not in this program. You know, we have yeah. missed, we, we missed that, you know, and we I, yeah. that, you know, I feel like everyone runs to their corners, especially right now. Yeah, it's, some, you know, it's, it's, you know, what, what team am I on and how strong is my team? Yeah. And, and some, somehow yeah. we've gotten to the, I'm going to look out for, me and mine and anybody else near me doesn't matter at all. Like it, I don't just looking at the, you know, the stage of the, like the way things are in the world, especially in this country. It's just like, I don't know how people can dehumanize people so fast, but it's, it's everywhere. It's crazy. You know, I, I don't, you know, I shared this, uh, I woke up, this was last week and I woke up, um, I get these anonymous racial texts to my phone and emails and stuff. People find my phone. I don't have to change it. It's oh, crazy, geez. you know. And but you know, I woke That's up. Insane. Yeah, it, it's crazy. I woke up. First thing I did, I my phone was going off. Looked at my messages. I opened up my text message. What I read on my text messages, I just had to sit there and think. I had to sit there and just like I can't believe what I just read. And what that text message said was, it says, there's no racism in the outdoors. So why don't you take your hand and dip it in Vaseline and go 
rub as deep as possible through your vagina. What? Seriously? Exactly. I sat there and I was like, wow. I mean, I was like, you know, I'm I, I'm, I'm bulletproof enough to take, uh, I can take a couple licks. But when I sat there and, and I was like, wait, I said, this is an individual that actually who, took who their took time, out. time out of their day to, <laughs> to even put something as stupid as that together. Exactly. Exactly. Like, do people not have anything better to do? Yeah. <laughs> Come on. You know? I was just like, wow, I just like, I just can't believe what I just read. You know, I was like, wow. But it, 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 that right there, it gave me the, a deeper lens on what this fight is. This is a long fight. Yeah. I mean, yeah. this is really oh. a long fight. This is not, this and is. A lot of like that specific example, I, I think while it it is rooted definitely in in the our discussion on racism i i think that as as a culture right now with how prevalent social media and how much time especially a lot of our youth are spending online compared to communicating in person is that we have fully disconnected yeah to where i mean there's there's the internet has no repercussions people- you can say whatever use some random anonymous you know account and say whatever and there's no repercussions there are, there's no responsibility yeah People where no yeah, you're, you you yeah. say that to someone's yeah. face, yeah. and you're you're getting smacked. Oh, yeah. like, <laughs> you know, it's like I'm just like it got it got so bad. I actually talked to one of my 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 board members, and I was talking to them, and I was uh you know it, they made they may step in and help me out, but it got to a point where it's like, is there any way if I open up my email account and you get a password? Someone can just go in every morning and just delete, 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 delete. That way, I don't have to be looking at all this stuff. Well, because, and that's know, a terrible way to start your day. It is. Yeah. It, 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 it like, is. It, it, um, just emotionally, just mentally. Yeah. Yeah. Having having that be the start to your day is just. I mean, that's just draining. Yeah. It it really is. and and I, I appreciate you saying that. You know, because it's like there's one thing I learned. And, and all this stuff is happening. Is like I would say to myself, I'm strong. I can, you know, I said it earlier, actually, I, I, I can take a, a good beating and, and I can, you know, but it still chips at you. It, it, oh, it does. It, you it, know, it, and that's, I don't care how strong <laughs> you are. I don't care. You know, you take the, the strongest, densest rock yeah. in a river. Guess what? Over time, all those little pebbles, right, wear it right down to sand. You're absolutely right, and right. It's at a certain point, like yeah, we. I think that in general, we need to have thicker skin. Just from a, I I think that there's a lot of oversensitivity, just like hypersensitive. On a, on a lot of different things, 
where people just emotionally just immediately react instead of evaluating and discussing with logic. But what's funny is most of the time that comes from people who claim to, you know, quote unquote, not be snowflakes. And they're the ones that are are most blowing up. (laughs) But it's like, even, you know, when you are taking the logical approach, when, when you are evaluating and, and, actually trying to respond in a respectful manner that still wears on you it it, it's heavy it is and i mean that's across i mean that that's across the board again like this is all of this just boils down to human decency and just like i mean because this this is you know race this is you know, body shaming. This is everything. People are assholes. Yeah. Like, and it just doesn't make sense to like, why treat anyone else different than you would treat your own family? The golden rule. <laughs> like, it's, it's so simple. I just, yeah, it is. It blows my mind. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I, it's good. Sorry, Chad, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm, I'm, uh, well, I was, uh, I, I was, I was just going to, I want to circle back around real quick before we wrap this up to something that you, you mentioned, um, about being, being a voice for the voiceless and, and how, how important that is. And especially when you're a person who is generally not stifled. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, uh, I'm I'm kind of I'm I'm throwing this out there. One, I mean, I'm I'm personally a Christian. I don't care if uh, mm-hmm. if if other if other people aren't. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I see a lot of this hate that I see are from people that consider themselves Christians. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, I guess I'm I'm more or less just tossing this out there for the listeners. Uh, I'm not trying to uh, speak for uh, everyone or anyone on on this uh, podcast by any means. Uh, but I would encourage you to go read uh, Proverbs 31, mm. uh, specifically verses 8 and 9. Uh, it says, uh, <laughs> S- speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. Mm. Ensure justice for those being crushed. Yes, speak up for the poor and helpless and see that they get justice. Mm. And uh, for those who don't know, Proverbs was written by King Solomon, who is referred to as the most wise man to have ever have lived. Mm. So think Think about that for the minute uh, for, of, for a minute. Wisdom. Right. I mean, it's just it's uh, it blows and it, it it angers me as a Christian. Like it angers me a lot that I'm like, man, as you claiming to be a man or woman of God, you really don't see this <laughs> like it's it's right there in a, in yeah. a very, very plain text. And, and it's so I just yeah. feel like it's so easy, like it's so easy for for us, like, I mean, as a as a white guy, like, I just don't feel like this is a super difficult thing for, for me to do, to just try, like, just try and be a voice and try, and especially because people don't shout me down as much, uh, because of my skin color and, and because of my sex, yeah. you know, it, it's something that, you know, it's just, I, I, I wish, wish more guys would, would grab their nuts and, and figure yeah. it out because it's not, it's not, uh, it's not hard. No, 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 it's, it's, it's not hard. You know, it's, uh, 
it's it's a, it's it's simple and it's a it's a, but at the same time it's very very complex yeah, <laughs> you, know? yeah. And, uh, you know and you know because we're we're very like us you know earlier when we, before we started you know we we're, we could be very quick to uh, uh allow our emotions to to come out really really quick and fast absolutely absolutely and, and, it, and, it, and it goes back down to what i'm asking is to sit with it and, and think about what we're talking about. Think about the article is I'm asking to, you know, put that brakes on us, really put your heart in first, you know, show yeah. a little love, just show a little love for a little bit, but showing love is actually hard for someone to do. So if you're not, mm-hmm. you, yeah, really, really hard, you know, and if you can do it, that's strength. That is strength right there, you know, and, and, but, but a lot of us, we, it's a discipline thing too, you know, it really is to, to be able to operate and work from your heart, which is not something that you find every day, but a lot of people do, but the ones who understand that rather if you're in church or even if you're in the outdoors, wherever you are, you know, it's, 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 you can, your heart is, is what is going to mend things together and fight, you know, it's going to dismantle stuff and everything like that, you know, but it's it's a complex thing, but it's a simple simple idea of treating people with respect. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Love that, person, love that brother, love that sister, you know, and that's really what it's about, you know. And, and we miss that, and and we have we have a you know um, we have a, a long walk here, you know. It's not a yep. not a a hundred yard dash. This is a marathon, you know. Yep. And yeah. and we and each every last one of us leaders. Uh, of all many walks and companies, et cetera, uh, we have to be able to prepare ourselves. If we're going to put the work in and 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 not put a bandaid on um, on 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 what's missing in our society, and 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 it, it's it's going to happen. It's going to take a long walk of being prepared with our hearts to love one another. That's a that's a tough walk. You know, yeah. and, and and the leaders in that walk is going to have to be able to understand that and be prepared to walk the distance here. You know, if you're talking about changing a young kid's life, if any one of you guys mentor or have sons or daughters, et cetera, you know, you know that changing that kid's life or working with a kid is not something that's going to happen overnight. It's yeah, gonna, yeah. It's going to it's a long walk. You know, we look at the Boy Scouts and they graze their Eagle Scouts. You know, you don't find a lot of Eagle Scouts out of here. And the reason yeah. why, because number one, it takes a community to raise an Eagle Scout, you know, and it also, it takes a lot of discipline from all those leaders in that community that actually commit to that young kid and raise that kid into the Eagle Scout. It's a long walk. It's hard, yeah. you know, it's hard, you know, and, and, but we got to be able to have that to dismantle the things that we face that are ugly, you know, yeah. and, and everything like that, you know, but yeah. Yeah. It is. It's, it's certainly going to be a marathon. Go ahead, Garrett. Uh, I mean, so I think I've heard you say something along these lines before Chad. Um, and it's something that Matt talked about earlier, as far as like how people can help if they feel inclined to, which yeah. everybody should. Yeah. Um, but like, do your no no offense, Matt, but like do your own research. And you said it too, Chad. Just like do your own research, find yeah. your strengths, and then seek out the leaders. But like, don't show up empty-handed, and just be That's like, right. how can how can I help? What like tell me what to do? Because 
they've been telling you like, I, like we've been told what to do and how to help for yeah you know decades and decades and yeah. just haven't been listening so like there's plenty absolutely there's yeah, right. plenty of information out there to find plenty of places to go um and if this kind of stuff makes you uncomfortable like sit with that for a while exactly. and figure out why yeah Absolutely. You're absolutely right. You know, and to be uncomfortable and it's okay to be uncomfortable. You know, it's, it's, no, it's uncomfortable it's, is growth. Yeah, yep. exactly. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, man, Chad, I, I can't thank you enough for, for coming on and, and being vulnerable with us and, and talking about all this. Um, I, uh, you know, kind of like what in my, that first message that I sent you, my, uh, my wife is kind of the one that, that prodded this along and, and said, man, you know, I, I really think that you need to, uh, she was talking about somebody else, but she said, I think you need to have somebody like this, this person on. And I was mm-hmm. like, man, I just don't like, it's not really our lane. Like we don't like, we don't really talk about or address those kind of things. Yeah. Like, you know, we're just, we're, we're bow hunter education based is mm-hmm. what mm-hmm. we're trying to do. And, and then after, after I read your article, uh, in which I would encourage people, I would really, really encourage people to go read if you haven't already. Uh, then like, it just, it struck a, a nerve with me and I, I just, I was like, yeah, we have to talk about this because, oh, exactly. you know, I, I, I kind of, I've in my own growth over the last year or so I've, I've, you know, my eyes have kind of been opened, uh, with, with, how people of color are treated in the outdoors yeah. and and then just reading your article i was like this is way worse than i thought it was and i already thought it was bad uh so it's uh uh it was very eye-opening and i i really appreciate you one for writing it and two for for sitting down and and talking with us about the the whole thing yeah yeah very welcome i really appreciate everybody's time and and the opportunity to you know you guys offer the platform for me to share uh, you know, it's, it's, um, it's, it's, uh, I feel blessed to be able to breathe into this type of conversation where you guys have a whole different type of following, uh, you know, and, uh, again, as you saw, you know, the archery and education, you know, but, you know, it's, it's even through those sports and fly fishing and archery, we're, we're interacting in the real world, you know, and, mm-hmm. other, uh, you know, and so all that stuff, it, it, it does, it, it comes into our outdoor space, you know, and we have to be able to integrate and work together, you know, learn together, you know, and if we allow ignorance to interfere with that, it, it breaks up the, the opportunity of, of, of building relationships, you know, uh, and, and everything. And so, yeah, I, I, I appreciate this, you know, and, you know, I, um, um, yeah, I'm very thankful. Yeah. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, Yeah, man. Thank you. Of course. Um, so where, where can people find, uh, your content One, your chat Brown content, your photography and, and whatever else you're, you're working on your articles and blogs and stuff. And then, uh, where can people find information on soul river in case they want to get plugged in with, uh, uh, your nonprofit? Yeah. Uh, as far as my Chad Brown stuff, <laughs> you can, you can find my, uh, photography stuff, my website, which is chato, C-H-A-D-O creative, uh, com chatocreative.com. Um, you know, I tend to keep that pretty much updated with a lot of projects I'm working on, et cetera. Uh, and if you are interested in wanting to be a volunteer or there's a veteran out there 
that also is wants to, you know, be, you know, do something with the organization or be part of the organization or even parents and mom and dad that has youth out there that would like to have their child come in because we work with all youth as well. Um, you know, you can, the website is Soul River Inc. Soul River, R-I-V-E-R-I-N-C.org. Soul River Inc.org. Uh, and we're always looking for new volunteers. We are a national nonprofit uh, organization as well, and we are all over the U.S. We go we go places wherever there's a river, uh, where there's you know certain issues that are happening environmental, uh, because we like to take on environmental justice. The, the curriculums or where veterans actually step in and they share these curriculums and they teach curriculums to the youth. It's an awesome, awesome experience for the youth and the veteran. And so you can find all the information on the website at soulriverinc.org. Perfect. You guys awesome. have a uh, retail store too, don't you? Or do you not have that anymore? Yeah, yeah, we do. It's you do? It, okay. It, yeah, we do. Uh, that it's you'll in, find that on the website as well. But yeah, it's uh, it's in uh, Portland, right? It is in Portland. Yeah, yeah, okay. absolutely. Yeah. Cool. Well, I know we we've got a bunch of listeners in Portland, so hopefully a couple of them will swing by and, and check out your stuff. So, I mean, that's cool. Once again, Chad, I, I really appreciate your time and sitting down and talking with us and sharing your story and, and, uh, and all the stuff that you're involved in. So, uh, thank you again yeah. for, for all that. Um, Very well. uh, for, for all the listeners, uh, appreciate you tuning in, uh, hanging out with us. I know. So another one, another two hour episode. I, it, <laughs> I always think, I, I always think, oh, it's going to be an hour. It's going to be an hour. And then two hours. <laughs> It'll goes never by be an hour. I know. <laughs> we talk too much. I, sh- I should just stop counting on that. Uh, but the surprise uh, at this point is when it's, you know, like three hours. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, then, then we have yeah. to split it up. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Well, thanks everyone for, uh, for tuning in, sticking around uh, until next time, stay lethal and disrupt the status quo. Right on. Awesome.